The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, we are going to do Husker Super Bowl week. Plenty of former Huskers that played in or won the big one that you'll hear right here uh, locally on ESPN Lincoln and many of our affiliates We'll have uh, Super Bowl coverage as well. So we'll dive in there. Coming up at 525, Grant Wistrom will be with us. Uh, Mr. Uh, Husker National Champion and, of course, Super Bowl Champion and College Football Hall of Famer. So we'll chat with Grant, even get into some streaming show topics, i.e. Yellowstone or Ozark. We'll get the uh, the five-star review from Grant Wistrom on, on both those shows from what he's seen and, and talk plenty of ball with Grant. Charlie McBride in one hour. Mr. Blackshirt, his thoughts on the Super Bowl and uh, spring football looming. We'll talk a little O-line with him and, uh, and, and some D-line, right? There's question marks. There's, there's some excitement uh, because of the changes. There's some excitement because of the additions with this portal. And uh, what Nebraska football can be. Greg Smith with us, talk a little recruiting, and we'll get into some NFL thoughts with him as well. Good weekend for JoJo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, some thoughts from Joe Burrow on uh, today's athlete. Not that Joe's super long in the tooth, but he has some great advice for, for kids today. So, all that coming up here on on your Monday edition. So we're we're loaded up like this for the week. Grant Wistrom, Dave Remington, Tom Rathman, Sam Cook, Searles, and I think we're gonna be able to to run down Russ Hochstein. Mm. So we're 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 good. We're good with a, a Super Bowl participant. Dave uh Remington is incredible and he missed the Cincy Super Bowl run by a by by a season, so we're not going to beat him up for that because he would no doubt put me through the wall. But he knows Cincinnati; spent most of his career there, so it figures it makes sense to to run down a Bengal. I got to see if I got Icky Woods' number. I think I do. Might have to get the old Icky shuffle dialed in as well. That's pending. Numbers to dial up 4663776467786800825 follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Uh, big tip of the cap and a virtual fist pound and hug the two Nebraska Broadcast Hall of Famers, recent inductees, Rick Alloway is the best. He's incredible. 
Uh, love him much. Uh, Rick is part of the Nebraska Broadcasters Hall of Fame, as is Neil Nelkin. Neil Nelkin's uh, the who's who of talent development and uh, finding great talent. This isn't about me, but uh, when I got back into radio, Neil was uh, really awesome to put us on up in Omaha on Saturday morning. So uh, really uh, sending thoughts and love to, to Neil Nelkin and Rick Alloway, both guys that have been super important to me. So we can go a lot of different directions. I want to go to, to Elijah's roadie to Kansas City mm. for two seconds because, you know what, in a lot of Nebraska, it's going to be in the 50s or 60s. It is prime grill weather. It's going to get done for me tonight, assuming there's no bad south wind, right? I get a little wind tunnel on the back patio. You, however, are raving about some – did you go to a, a street taco truck? Yeah. Is that what you did in yeah. Kansas City? It's a couple different food places we went to. There was this one. It's uh, Apparently, it's a Texas chain. I had never heard of it. It is called – Torchy's Tacos. So you, okay, you sent me a text. It was midday afternoon. I know Saturday. you love your tacos. No, I love. I mean, I'm I'm a big beer and taco guy. Yeah, uh, and it just depends on the order on the day when I go beer and taco hunting. But you, you, you said you know it's in the middle of the Nebraska game. I'm kind of pissed watching it, <laughs> and I'm not a fan. You know, I take the fan hat off, and and really don't get personal with criticism or or praise really i mean i try to be pretty much fair with takes on things and i'm just watching this and i'm just like i'm pissed for nebraska fan i'm pissed for the alumni that are there watching that joke there we'll get there in a minute but you made me smile you're like dude dude you got to check these tacos out so Please do tell about the taco experience. Yeah, it was, I mean, there's just, I'd never had a piece of fried chicken within a street taco. So it's kind of like this Tex-Mex type fusion. It's a piece of uh, fried chicken. It's got pico in there. chicken fingers type deal. It was better. Was it than better? That. It, was, it was. It was like it was Grandma's fried chicken in a taco. Yeah, it was, but boneless. But like, yeah, and, and, right. And then they, uh, what was it called? Ah, it was an ode to our uh, our neighbors here on Cornusker Highway. It was the Trailer Park Taco. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> delicious. And then they, uh, <laughs> you smile about the neighborhood. <laughs> Good for you. And then uh, you can make it trashy. They uh, put like a little queso sauce on top. Delicious, delicious taco. <laughs> <laughs> they make it trashy. Is that was that part of the pitch? Yeah. So then the trailer park trashy. So, so then you can get a trashy trailer park taco. <laughs> and they added like a, some sauce on it. It was delicious. You'd love it. We went and the uh, wind comes up. The double wide flies away. One of those. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, those tacos are amazing. You'd love them. Uh, we we then. Had Arrowhead, we got the All Access Tour. Got to check out the uh, the TV broadcast booth, and they had the uh, the private TV broadcasters' toilet open. So I sat on the throne of the uh, some of the great broadcasters in NFL history. Okay, you, Jim Nance, uh, Tony Ke- Romo, Kevin Harlan, Kevin Harlan. I'm sure John Madden at some point was in there. Oh, son of a gun! You know, we we talked to Rathman about 30 minutes ago. That'll air tomorrow, and he was all Madden. Mm. I had it written down to ask him about John Madden. That's a shock collar. I need to. That, that's unacceptable. But anywho, well, we do that. And then we went to a, a wing joint that night in KC um, called Peanuts. Good. I never been to. It was I, so I'd never been to a place that they didn't separate the flat from the drum on the wing. They served the whole wing. It's so much better that way. Oh yeah. What's the point of separating it? The hindquarters. Yeah. They, well, they, well, they just, actually, hindquarters is the thigh in yeah, the wing. But, but it's but. like it's the, they they kept the flat and the 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 drumette together. And I was like, wow, have we ever been separating it's, these before? It's legendary. Yeah. Yeah. When you do it right, it's very great. Legendary. Great wing place. So so good for you. You had your weekend of food. Oh. You, 
in the last note about Arrowhead, forgot this. Visitor's locker room still totally smells like Victory Cigars. <laughs> Chiefs fan not amused, but... Oh, the Chiefs uh, staff was still not amused, too. They, no, they were pretty unhappy with that. Well, don't lose. Yeah. Don't, it, don't lose an 18-point lead. And the Bengals paid, uh, paid a fine to the, the Chiefs for smelling up their locker room. What was so. the number? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't get, uh, get to go see the books. No but. doubt. No doubt. The players, based on Cincinnati's history of ownership, players had to pool their own money <laughs> for that to pay it themselves. They had to sell or, their, their AFC championship rings. <laughs> Zach probably said, yeah, put it on my card. Fellas, I'll cover this. And, and there you go. Nebraska basketball. My good God. That was horror awful. And I did, you know, how many times can you say this in a season? It's not for effect. You thought, okay, Michigan, horrible moment, won't happen again. Then you have Rutgers, horrible moment, uh, two times the charm. Now you have habit. You have an, an identity. Because this is the third time... You've been blown out. And you can get blown out in the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan State got rolled by Rutgers. It happens. Everyone can rise to the occasion or dip down to your opponent. A team can can, can come on the road or be a home hero and, and drill you. That's just part of life in the Big Ten and football, part of life in Big Ten basketball. But what is obscene here? is the the constant embarrassment of of no fight of this team that either plays hard and loses it sucks as a fan but at least the effort's there right but there's also an identity associated with playing half-assed and they'll lose either way it's the same result but it matters to nebraska fans what happens for the 40 minutes are you trying and listen, I'm going to preface this by saying there's about three guys on the squad that are not included in this broad-brushing thought on Nebraska basketball. Wiltshire, Walker, and Trey McGowans. And if you're not on the court, I get it. There's some guys that just don't get on the court. There's some guys that are injured. This is not directed at you either. Everybody else, for the most part, that, that played major minutes before, it was clear the bench time uh, should be ashamed. Maybe they are. Maybe they felt sorrow and remorse when Fred put him through hell this morning with the practice as punishment, right? And that's what that's that's what Fred's response was after Michigan. Like they have a couple of days off during break, they come back and he puts them through the ringer, uh, trying to get better because Fred, at his heart, is a competitor. But the problem is this, Fred has either no idea the, the pulse of his team because it's, it's pro mentality. Here's what I'm going to teach you. Here's the game plan. Here's what's going to happen from a development standpoint. And then you guys are, are grownups. Uh, no, you're not. You're going to go out there and, and, and go do your thing, Right. And, and that's part of the problem with, with a pro-style coach coming in. At the basketball level, you saw it happen at the football level with Riley. You need to be hands-on. And the other part of it is Fred can, can bark out 
a lot of different plays. Guys will say, screw it and go rogue. That's still an issue. And, and it's being allowed. And I'd rather get beat by 20 playing some walk-ons or guys that are physically outmatched doing it the right way. Because you're going to lose anyway. I'd rather go out playing guys that will listen and try and do what I'm asking. It's a whole different discussion about his scheme and if it still works in the Big Ten. And we've seen moments of it working. We've seen execution being a problem. But overall, this this just isn't working. And the bigger discussion point is, should he be back? Will he be back? And I don't know what, what Trev's going to do or what Trev can do. Because Trev's raising money for the facility. Trev's raising money for the, the track and field set up on, on Innovation Campus. And then Trev's got to go to probably some of the same people or new donors and say, by the way, do you want to pass the hat to get Fred out of here? And do you care enough to? I mean, how many times can you go back to the well financially? And whether it's $18.5 million or $15 million, it's still a big-ass buyout. What they ought to do is they ought to go after the moose and recruit, recoup some of this money you gave him. It's not plausible but there's some real issue with 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 him and and locking fred up not doing your homework and no one thought it'd be this bad you're supposed to be an uber talented team and and they're not and it's not that they don't have talent it's not that there's some there's some skill you got a five-star guy a guy that's going to be one and done but fred knew this going in or had Probably some hesitation from a storm cloud standpoint of role acceptance. That's been your issue. It's been your issue all year on offense. You got too many guys wanting to be the hero. And defensively, if it ain't going down for them on offense, they're not going to play hard on defense. And it's simple things where there's not the effort to fight through a screen. They get caught under a screen. Bang. There's 10 first half three pointers by Northwestern. It's boxing out. It's lat man using an arm bar to try and box out some monster down low and versus putting his full body. These guys don't want to do it. They don't want to contest an open three. They don't want to box out. And they don't care anymore. And if you're a Nebraska fan and Trev Alberts wants to, to again, I'm spending other people's money. I'd refund Nebraska fans at least three games this year where the team absolutely just tapped out. And as a, as a player on this team, that's on you. That's on film. That is stapled to your resume, whether you want to go play overseas or in the NBA. This guy was part of a team that quit three times. And then you as a coach... You put together this group of quitters, of guys who aren't going to fight, guys who don't want to be out there, and they've been competitive. I don't know if they thought they just rolled the ball out. Oh, it's just Northwestern. They're they're ten and ten to get dismantled at home by a team that's three and eight. To get dismantled at home by a team that's now a game over five hundred. Northwestern's played a lot of teams tough this year in the Big Ten, so they're not awful. But they've never looked like the 2016-2017 Warriors out there. No, but that, that's just the point of it. These guys just didn't feel. They didn't feel like it. Mm. They didn't feel like it. 
on on Saturday afternoon. Rebounding, closeouts, settling for, for jumpers, the offense in general, and from a personnel standpoint, character matters. What type of duty you bringing in? And you've screwed up three straight years and bringing in one or two guys that just can't mesh together. And that's on your your assistant ace recruiter that's that's connected to everybody and can can bring in some some high flying talent. But th- this process, I'm not saying no to transfers because it worked in a couple of different years for Tim Miles. But it can't be how you, you go do your business anymore. It just it ain't gonna work, or you've got to be a thousand percent sure that you get the right guys between the years to, to make it work with the starting five. Again, Wiltshire, Walker, Trey McGowan's, you're exempt from this. Greg Smith next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! We'll take some of your calls and thoughts. We'll hear from Fred Hoiberg on that monstrosity Saturday. And I know why you're talking about it, Schmidt. It's basketball. No one cares. Clearly, Clearly, after about the 14-minute mark, nobody cared on the floor. Uh, at least we're in white. We welcome in Greg Smith, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Recruiting Insider. All things football at Greg Smith HV. It's also Super Bowl week, so we're going to talk a little ball with Greg. Greg, what do you know? Uh, you are going to taunt me, I'm sure, because uh, you have the ability to turn your grill on in 30 minutes. Are you doing so? <laughs> Uh, I am not actually doing so because, uh, you know, I, I'm a bonehead. Did not look at the weather and realize it was supposed to be this nice. Uh, so I could not rally and have something thawed in time. Uh, you're like, well, but I got the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we've definitely uh, taken a peek at that extended forecast. So, yeah, that'll work. Man, it just feels uh, feels awesome uh, when, when you get this in, in Nebraska. And it's been a, a good winter. And I keep, like, Sounding like a 95 and I'm talking about weather, but dude, it it works out well. Okay, so there's two spots of need for Nebraska to wrap up 2022. I know it's it's done done, but you're going to have portal options here post spring. You're also going to have spots open because attrition is a reality in college football and it'll be a, another reality for Nebraska. Not expecting a huge exodus, but you'll have spots available. Who are a couple of guys or at least positions on on your radar, uh, either position or guys, and if you have a couple of guys in mind, great. But two spots, right? I mean, somebody, one more on the offensive line and one more on the defensive line, maybe even a third if you get a, a shot at a special pass rusher. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that you look at those two spots, or really those three spots for where Nebraska could gain. I think when you start looking at losing um, guys, let's look at where the players were added this offseason. So you're talking defensive back, running back, wide receiver. Um, those are a, couple, a few spots where I think Nebraska, you're just going to have to have things shake out. And that's why, like you said, like there's no real panic here or concern that Nebraska is going to be able to get to or below the 85, which Nebraska only needs to be at by August um, per the Big Ten rules. So I think it'll all shake itself out. In a lot of ways, Nebraska set itself up um, in a really nice position to kind of let it naturally happen through spring ball and through competition, which, again, is going to be the buzzword uh, for this offseason. Competition is going to be very, very key. And who are some of the guys on, on the defensive line – that you're excited about. We know about Rogers. Uh, we know about um, Robinson and even Polar Bear. But some some of the the the, uh, the freshmen slash redshirt freshmen. Who do you think could make a push into that rotation to be a pretty good contributor? Yeah, I think the top guy that I'm really looking for out of that young group is Ruquat Buckley um, out of Michigan. He's got a big frame as a kid that the staff really liked coming out of high school. Um, I think that he's been kind of marinating in the lab over the last year and could be ready to go. Um, and other than that, it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of guys, you know, Marquise Black, uh, uh, Newsom is another guy out there on the line. Colton Feist uh, is a guy who actually was tracking to be in the rotation last year uh, before his injury. So if he stays on that defensive line, I'd be interested to see you know, how he does. Um, but that's going to be a, a really key question. How many of those guys can step up um, to kind of ease some of the concerns that the coaching staff may have in needing to add another portal body? Like They're in control of that. They just got to be able to see if they can do it this winter and spring. Is Feist a guy that could flip over to the offensive side of the ball? Is he a dude you look at it maybe at center or a guard spot? I know there's bodies over there, too, for Coach Riola to work with, but Feist is a guy in high school that played both ways. Yeah, I absolutely think that he's a candidate for that. And I think that when you have transition – um, between offensive and defensive line coaches. You, you get some different sets of eyes on guys, and you get different ideas about where guys could play. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a guy or two uh, make a flip either way. Uh, he is a guy that I could see doing that. But one of the weird things about offensive line this offseason is you're going to have to get a look at building an offensive line without two of your best offensive linemen, right, or projected to be maybe two of your best offensive linemen in Corcoran and Prohaska. That gives guys a lot of snaps. So if you are someone that flips over to the offensive side of the ball this offseason, uh, it could help you in a way to get to get more looks out there. Greg Smith's with us here at Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, uh, we just talked about two positions, two position groups, I should say, that really have a lot of question marks surrounding them in the defensive line and the offensive line. So I need to get your take on just what what is this – unknown position or which position where the 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 talent coming up is still a bit of an unknown quantity do you think is going to be most crucial to the team's success in 2022 man it's still might be running back um just because nebraska has like you've seen some of those guys play but you haven't seen them really play at a high level, and you haven't seen them play with consistent blocking up front. Uh, and, oh, by the way, they just continue to add running backs to the room, right? So you just don't know who's coming out of that group. And that's a group that people circle, I guess, for attrition as well. Uh, so I still don't think that we know enough about running back after spending an entire year last offseason um, talking about how important it was going to be. I feel like we're still in the same spot. Is A.J. Allen the best running back Nebraska's recruited in the Frost era? 
Man, that's a good question off the top of my head. No, because Maurice Washington would still be in that discussion just kind of coming out of high school. But other than Washington, because given what happened with him, I'd, maybe. I, I think that he's he's got a strong case. Um, him and uh, Dedrick Mills, I think, would probably be the two strongest cases. I really like what Allen does. Um, on the field. I think he's a kid that plays bigger than his size. Uh, when you just see his measurables, he's got sweet feet um, and good enough top-end speed. I think Nebraska got a really good back that's probably going to get overlooked a little bit um, as we move along through this offseason. Uh, but then when, when August rolls around, I think that we'll be talking a lot more about him. Let's talk Yant for a moment. What, what do you expect from him? Do you expect for him to, to, to have it kind of click? And I think I think a guy like Applewhite can can really work with him to uh, to get him comfortable. Because we we know the skill, we know the talent. We also know that either through lack of practice reps, and I don't know that. I'm just assuming when you go the wrong way, you don't know the play. Either through not physically being able to run it or studying it enough to to have it down. Yeah, I, I tend to think that Yant is either going to it's going to click and he's going to be great, or it's not going to click and he won't be around. Like it's going to be a, a really kind of to me a boom or bust situation. Um, in, a, in in a way, the competition in that group is going to I think force that one way or the other, right? You're, and you're going to see guys and and no, in numerous spots, not just running back either really step up and grab the bull by the horns or they're going to have to be looking for, for another landing spot. Uh, but like you said, he's got all the talent that you need. The, the tools are all there. Uh, he's just got to be able to put it all together. So Applewhite working with him is really interesting. Greg, a thought here on Michigan real quick before we get to some NFL, and, and Elijah's going to jump in too in a second. But what do you make of Gaddis Bolton, man? I mean, is it administration? Is it Harbaugh? What's your take on this? I wonder if if they told Gaddis that he was the next man up only to then turn around and kind of beg Harbaugh to come back, and that rubbed him the wrong way. Like, I I feel like that's what happened there. Um, It's it's fascinating that he went to Miami, a place that I actually – you know how how much I like Mario Cristobal. I think he's going to do really well uh, down there, so that's a big gift for him. But I think that's an administration issue and another trickle effect of Harbaugh, you know, interviewing openly for a job on National Signing Day. Greg, it, it feels like this this coaching carousel has just gone on and on and on, never ending. Do we think now that Harbaugh has declined, or I shouldn't say declined, has not been offered the Vikings job, do we think this coaching carousel is pretty much over and we should be set in the fact that this is going to be Nebraska's staff? Yeah, for Nebraska's purposes, yeah, I think that we should be pretty set um, in that you're still seeing some like coordinators and position coaches move around a little bit, and you're going to see that, but I, I don't have anything on the radar for Nebraska's case, uh, sake. Um, I think that we, we should feel comfortable that Nebraska staff is what it is uh, moving into 2022. Cristobal's loaded up. He's got Gaddis coming to town. He's got old Kevin Steele that was thinking about crab cakes and football and says, no, no, going to go to South <laughs> Beach. So, uh, and, and then uh, we'll see what happens at Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, there'd be a handful of people looking for jobs down there, including the head man. Uh, it seems like they're trying to find a way to push uh, Harson out of there. Yeah, no kidding. All right, Greg, it is Super Bowl week. How are you feeling here? Cincy and Rams, what are you thinking? What are you excited about? 
Yeah, I, I mean, really excited for all, all the guys with Husker connections on the Bengals. I think that most people around here, unless for some reason you're a Rams fan, uh, are cheering for Cincinnati. Um, and, and they're a really easy team to cheer for, not beyond the Zach Taylor connection, but everybody loves Joe Burrow um, and Stanley Morgan, Troy Walters, all of those guys. Uh, you, you really root for them. Plus, the Rams are kind of a team of mercenaries, and I, I don't know. I'm a Lakers guy, so it doesn't bother me as much, uh, but I know it rubs people the wrong way, so you, you got to go with the Browns on this one. Well, and and that is no, that's all right. Uh, You would be punched in Ohio for that, but you're not in Ohio. (laughs) It's all right. Uh, Speaking of mercenaries, do you spend much energy watching Nebraska basketball? Uh, No, no, I don't. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty happy with that decision at this point. Um, No, I try to avoid that because even without watching it all that much, I know that at some point Nebraska will have a lead early. Then they will lose it, and the score will not be all that close, and then this weekend happens. That's just it. I mean, this weekend happened. How many times can you have a team tap out in a season? Once is once in a 10-year is too much. You've had it happen three times this year. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Like, And, and I don't know, like, what, what do you do in that situation? It's one of those things where, and this is how you, when you get into that dreaded lost the team category, uh, because there really isn't any other explanation for how these results have been. Um, and it kind of feels like the whole, like, just putting together a, a roster that doesn't have much cohesion is caught up with Hoiberg. Um, and that, that's really unfortunate because there were such high hopes with him coming in. Well, it's it's interesting from a from a talent acquisition point standpoint. It looks good on paper. You know, Fred said from from day one, role acceptance will be key. Uh, that's been an issue. You know, you can get all the talent in the world and bring it together, but there needs to be some some bite to go along with your bark. And I mean, he poor Fred's a substitute teacher right now, right? <laughs> and and he whatever he's coaching and preaching isn't getting put to work or use so greg real quick bud about 15 seconds what do you got coming up yeah so so we got first edition for 2023 of greg's guys tomorrow uh so that'll be fun spoiler alert there's a strong local flavor to it between nebraska recruiting and 500 mile radius recruiting uh i I think that this could end up being a bounce back year for nebraska on the recruiting trail so the new greg's guys coming tomorrow That'll be good. Can't wait for it. Greg, enjoy. We need multiple grilling picks this week, and we'll talk uh, another time. Enjoy your Super Bowl. Yeah, sounds like a plan. You guys have a good week. There he is. Greg Smith with us. A couple more thoughts on Fred and uh, the NFL draft projections for Nebraska kids. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. We're 20 minutes away from 
Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt, Huskers Super Bowl week. We'll get kicked off. Uh, we'll talk with Grant Wistrom here at 525. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. So some thoughts on just uh, the weekend for Kim Taylor-Britt and JoJo Doman. I think that that Cam had about 14 or 15 snaps, really didn't get any passes thrown towards him and was in on a tackle or two. JoJo played a lot of in-the-box linebacker, and that was different than outside or, or slot corner. I think JoJo had, had a good enough week uh, that, that he turned some heads, probably helped improve his draft stock. As far as putting him in the box where, where he's middle backer or like a, a, a Sam backer, not that he couldn't do that, but I think his best role is that, that Swiss Army role where he can, he can cover and he can kind of be a hybrid dude versus a, a, a linebacker linebacker. But as, as I was saying on the show last week, I think it's big that uh, coaches see the potential in uh, a guy like JoJo to be maybe someday uh, I should, a diet version of a Micah Persons or a, a Wusu Korma. I mean, see what the, the Cowboys did with Luke Gifford where it's the same situation. He's, sure. He was playing that Swiss Army knife at Nebraska. And what do they do? They, they stick him in a traditional linebacker spot, let him learn that while he gets some reps on special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's big that JoJo put that tape out there saying, yeah, I'm willing to do this. And uh, if you want me to do this for your team, uh, I'll, I'll put in the work to, to make it work. You know, to your point about Giff, I mean, he's he's big. He's what, 6'3", 6'4"-ish? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's huge. And he's so athletic and fluid because Gip played safety at Southeast. They put some weight on him and moved him up to to that to that backer spot. And he's uh, a guy that size and, and athletic is is special. JoJo at six one and a half is is big enough, but. That's that's a t- that's a tough ask. But that, like, that's that's the way the the NFL is moving. You need to have a linebacker thing go out and cover the Travis Kelseys of the you world, do. Uh, the the soon to be the Mark Andrews of the world. These guys that are just superhuman athletes at the tight end position, and and also be able to run down a, a Lamar Jackson. Yes, be- have a better shot at running down a Lamar Jackson than say Ray Lewis would have. Right. So uh, where are we going? Oh, we're going uh, Pete. Pete's on the line. Pete, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead. How are you doing today? Good, Pete. Go ahead, man. Appreciate the call. Hey, I guess in my opinion, I think maybe we went out and we tried to recruit in basketball and and to a large degree in football. We just look at talent. We don't look at character, and we don't look at uh, kids that want to win. A kid that really hates to lose, even if he hasn't got the same skill level, will make it up with heart. And to get you over the hump as far as winning games you have to have at least leaders on your team and and a, a good portion of your players have got to hate to lose and i think that's kind of something that's kind of forgotten about a little bit but i think it's critical on teams i didn't really ever question you know two different sports here i didn't question nebraska's heart at all in football I sure as hell question some of their heart in basketball because now you've seen it three times where they just say, screw it. And it's a little different with football not making excuses. It just is what it is where football is the ultimate team game. Basketball, it takes five and some subs, but you've got the AAU circuit where you're team hopping and it's all about showcasing versus winning and losing. You get numb 
in some instances, numb to losing because it's, it's not the goal. It's not the goal to win in AAU ball. I mean, some programs run it that way, but not everybody. Your goal is to get Mike Krzyzewski uh, or, or back in the day Roy Williams or, or now Tom Izzo or pick a high-profile coach to see you so you can get that one-and-done opportunity. There's a different motive. Well, I guess, I guess in my opinion, I've seen it a little bit in football. You know, we play close, but we'd always lose it in the fourth quarter. That's not a heart thing. That's an execution well, thing. But some, some kids didn't put their bodies on the line to, to, to get over that help of the, and make the win, I believe, in well, my opinion. That's your opinion. Pete, appreciate the call, bud. Appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, and I'm just going to disagree with that point on the basis of the leaders of the team, the guys who set the tone. Uh, Adrian Martinez played this half season with a broken jaw, came into that back in that game against Michigan State, and uh, was willing to put his body on the line. So I'm just I'm going to disagree with that execution. I'm with you on that was was a bigger problem for Husker football. And the difference between Husker you football and Husker ex- basketball, you screw up the execution. It can look like you're not putting your body on the line when maybe you're just out of position. And you, you look at these two situations. The difference between what we have with Frost in Nebraska and Hoiberg uh, in the basketball team is that you can see the incremental progress of this football team, despite the record last season. I, the, that team was in more games last season and put their best foot forward. This basketball team is not putting their best foot forward on a week-in, week-out basis. It's You run simulations, and this was on Twitter over the weekend, where you ran a, a thousand simulations, and I think our friend from Pick 6 Previews may have done this, there's more instances where Nebraska football finishes seven and five, eight and four, six and six, than three and nine. And I just want to say, uh, for anyone who saw that, I did go and look into the uh, the method behind how he simulated these things, uh, these seasons. And what he did was he put every single play. Uh, into essentially a randomizer. He looked at the yards per play, the mm-hmm. success rate per play, and, and randomized the plays throughout a game to simulate the season. And I understand that's not how football works, but it does give you a good glimpse into how well Nebraska played against these teams. And according to his simulations, Nebraska uh, had a greater than a 50% chance uh, to win eight of these games, I believe it was. Sure. Uh, yeah. So a better chance to win than the other team. And that's not how football is played. Football is not played with plays being called randomly. Uh, that's Part of the process of, of winning a football game is, you know, can you get pick up that yardage on third and two? Uh, 16 yards on third and 20 doesn't mean as much as 16 yards on first and 10. However, I think it's a good indication of, of uh, how well Nebraska was able to stack up against their opponents, and, and they did well. You know, and Pete brought up uh, the heart part, and this is question and, and answer from Fred. This is the end of his postgame media session. We'll hear more from Fred here the next hour and a half, but you know, I think the World Herald writer, Jimmy's his first name, asked this question, and it's it's a fair fair ask because you've seen instances where Nebraska's just not on the same page or not everybody's all in. and and that that sucks. But it's true. that that's what you can say. You can say a lot of things about this Nebraska basketball program and team under Fred. But it's it's very evident because it's been permitted to exist and permeate that you, you, and, and it was talked about by by Kobe Webster uh, the agendas and and I don't think <laughs> agenda was an issue I think give a damn was an issue on Saturday once you got down once you started off poorly and you just you just didn't have any fight left or care. And and that's that's wrong. But here is Fred about uh, you know are, are guys still pulling in the same direction? 
quasi have they quit on you? You mentioned the energy in the ball just wasn't there. Some guys sort of breaking off, going ISO. Do you feel like this team is still pulling in, in the same direction? All of, you know, everyone's on the same page? Yes. <laughs> Nebraska is the proverbial baseball team that when they leave the stadium, there's 25 guys on a roster. There's 24 cabs, different cabs taken. I hope they uh, had a get-after-it practice if you're a Nebraska basketball fan, and I hope they regroup and come out with some anger and fury against Minnesota Wednesday. We'll be down at the single barrel. We'll wind down Hour 1 next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out, Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down Hour 1, Grant Wistrom talks Super Bowl. And uh, Ozark Season 4 with us here next hour. 466-377-6800-825-5865. You know, the questions out there, what can Fred do about uh, this effort or lack of effort? Well, you're the boss, Fred. You can sit people, and he kind of hinted at that. Uh, when it comes to effort, you're you're too late. You're on a 12-game losing streak. You've lost 16 of your last 17. This is this is a parent trying to correct the teenager when, as a toddler, they walked all over mom and dad. And that's really it. When the first time or the second time or the 15th time they ignored your, your set play call or they went rogue and you did nothing about it, hard to reel them in now. And... Uh, you, you had about a you had a little stint there, game six or seven, where you took a bad shot. Guess what? They're going to bench you, and you're going to sit by me, and you're going to watch. Great, but you got to stick with it. And easier said than done, quite honestly. Not a not a basketball coach, clearly, but uh, it's 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 the. Pro mentality that's that's part of the problem here. Reminding you to buckle up. Using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries, only if used properly. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Where are we going, Elijah? All right, let's do it. And uh, we heard from Pete Johns with us. John, go ahead. Yeah, I just wonder uh, if our athletic director came to the basketball coach and said we would like you to leave, would he have the class to negotiate down or would he stick it to Nebraska for his 18-point-something? $18.5 million. If you're Fred, why walk away? That money's guaranteed to you. Not that you need it, but it's the principle of contracts a contract. Um, I, You know, I, I as ticked off as Nebraska fans were after Saturday, maybe you just start passing the hat around PBA. And, and and I don't I don't know if if Fred gets some new assistance if it'll be better if Fred says you know what I'm going to re retool my scheme I'm going to have a different uh, approach because I know basketball maybe but but the the kids they're they're recruiting and the system he's running isn't working so is he willing to change is the question you know I mean I I'm okay with a year four and a new Fred and a new assistant group and a new group of kids you're going to have anyway, assuming you get uh, Trey and, and Walker to stick. Because I like both those kids. I think they're good players. I think they play hard all the time. So 
the other part of it is 15 to, to 15 or hold on a sec, 15 or 18 and a half million don't don't it's still a monster buyout so do you bleed slowly or do you bleed all at once because clearly your 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 apathy's setting in john well i just thought if he was going to leave and he would negotiate he might be able to get a coaching job head, head job someplace else but if he if he leaves here and doesn't negotiate down, I think he's done as a college basketball coach. Well, he he might be done as a college basketball coach based on this performance at Nebraska. I mean, the next spot for Fred is is in the NBA if if it doesn't work out or when it doesn't work out at Nebraska. However, you want to view it, it says an assistant in the NBA. I mean, hey, eighteen point five million can that can take care of you for a long while. Well, uh, generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach McBride's on the way with Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It is Huskers Super Bowl week. Grant Wistrom coming up in 25 minutes. And we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself. Uh, Monday with Charlie. Charlie McBride and our coaches. Well, Coach, you ready to eat some wings on Sunday? I'm gonna. I know you are. In fact, I just thought... um... A big bag full of them, and I'm gonna. If it's nice enough out, I'm gonna throw them on the grill outside. You and it's I. It's gotta are... be between. It's gotta be at least thirty, though. <laughs> You're a tougher <laughs> dude than me, and that's not news uh, about grilling it in thirty degrees. Good for you, man. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you've had a lot of players get to the pinnacle of football. Yeah, they've won championships with you at Nebraska. They've helped turn around franchises, and and Grant was one of them, with the going <laughs> going six overall to to the Rams and Vermeil, and they weren't good his first year, but man, that second and third year, and uh, just touch on on Grant real quick, and and just really a, a lot of the kids that that end up going to the Super Bowl. You've probably gotten a lot of phone calls during Super Bowl week in your career. <laughs> Well, I got a few, but, you know, the thing I think is that, uh, you know, Grant was a guy that uh, there was, you know, when you turn the film on, yeah, watch it for about 30 seconds and turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he he was was caught with about uh, five or six other guys on the team that had uh, motors that never stopped. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, those are things that, you know, come with your heart. And that's, that's what he, that's what he played with. I mean, he was, and plus he's smart, you know, he, he, you know, he really knew the game and he, you know, he, he liked it, you know, he loved football. And, um, I think that's what, that's what motivates a lot of guys. They just, uh, you know, and he's one of those guys didn't want to let his teammates down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was that, that's the way a lot of these great players play. They don't think too much about themselves as much as they do, you know, about the, you know, doing a, doing a good job for all the teammates. And, and that's the way that team was. I think they were all that way. And I've always said this, the good teams we've had, they talk about leadership, and, and we were fortunate to have leaders at every position. I mean, in other words, we had somebody in the secondary, you know, the Browns were leaders and, you know, and stuff like that. Those are the kind of people we had. And Steve Horn was one in 99 that we had that was – you know, a great leader on defense, and and you know, you could go back to Neil Smith and Broderick Thomas, and all these guys were were guys that were you know, you you tried to keep. I think as a player, you tried to keep up with them and not let them down. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We've had an interesting t- discussion today about you know Nebraska's football season and, and Nebraska's basketball season for the men the women are I know they had a tough one against Maryland but man they they play well together the men got blown out of the water at home and it wasn't the fact they got beat as bad as they did it's how they got beat and you know you get you get to, to questioning some effort and uh, it just wasn't there they weren't locked in to do it and that wasn't the case for football. They didn't win every game. They weren't perfect all the time, but they, they fought in every game. And you've had about two or three instances here in, in, in basketball, Coach. You mentioned turn the film on and then shut it off for 30 seconds. It's getting to be that way for Nebraska men's basketball where fans are going to turn it on for about 30 seconds and maybe go do something else. It's really, it's really tough to, 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 to watch, and you feel bad for Fred. Well, you know, I watched the game, okay, and I felt exactly like, and I, I, I said, "What are you doing?" You know, and don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't do that. You know, because that means you're either getting older or you give up. And that, you know, when you, even when you're watching it, you you don't give up. I mean, it's, you know, so, you know, I. I mean, I've watched all most as many of the girl games as I could, yeah. you know, that are on the Big Ten Network and everything. And um, yeah, same with volleyball and everything. And you know, and, and, and when you get people that really are giving it an effort all the time, and I think those girls do in volleyball, I really mm-hmm. do. And in basketball, I mean, and they, they they can turn it on. I mean, they 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 may not be the best team in the league, but they're they got the best hearts in the league. Mm-hmm. No, totally agree with you there, and and we'll see where things shake out for for basketball, coach. Because the men are just tough to watch right now. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you what: you can't build a team in five minutes, and and when you don't have a team that doesn't work together all summer, you know, all these guys that are playing in these things have played together all summer. They're yeah. throwing this these this bunch of guys together, you know, piecemeal here and there and everywhere, mm-hmm. and you can't do it. I mean, um, I don't. I don't think you can do it that way. 
you know, it's just, you know, you have to get you have to get a group of guys that really grow together and work together and stuff like that. And I think, you know, it, you might get one or two guys in there thrown in there to do it, which which I think, you know, maybe with this portal they they have a few guys that you can throw in with the other with the, you know, with the other guys. But um, you know, I think they're they're making some changes. I think on defense. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they're probably going to a little more even stuff, uh, which will give the outside guys a little more chance to put pressure on people and stuff like that. But, you know, you have to evaluate yourself. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you know, you can always say the players aren't playing, but as a coach, you better look at yourself. I agree with you on that, Coach. I want to go back to the even front discussion and, Frost said it last week with his press conference on signing day that they're going to, to more of an even front, and that was a, a switch uh-huh. that, that you guys made in an effort to get more speed on the field and get after the quarterback. Uh, what, 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 was it something that was brewing, or did you have a specific defense you, you really liked? Were, were you a were you a five two well, guy always, or or was the four three real hard to go to? Okay, we were going. We were going to to the. Um, uh, we had played. You, uh, I, I don't. I, I'm pretty sure it might have been Utah State, and I can't remember the quarterback's name, but he was a big guy. He played in the NFL later Scott, on. Scott Mitchell. Play. Yeah. Well, anyway, but he. That was the first we saw that shotgun one back stuff, a lot of it. And I knew that, you know, this is just getting started. And I felt like that we're going to need more coverage and we're going to need more speed on the corners and we're going to need to put pressure on it. And the one thing that people don't know, if you look at our film, you'll see what we did as we, um, um, you know, I looked at some film of teams in the Big Ten when I was there and, and, uh, Minnesota, Michigan were two of them that used to walk their linebackers up and then walk them out of there before the ball snapped and all that stuff. And and we we kind of talked about it and got together and and what we ended up doing was what we call fooling them. And we we loaded our offensive line up. We looked heavy on one side because we had our guys up in the line of scrimmage and the quarterbacks couldn't tell who's coming from where, if they were or if not. They had to learn to drop to their. They had to learn to play the run from their position, which was pretty on the line of scrimmage. And we, we blitzed from there. We dropped from there. We did so many things. And I and and besides besides you know uh, disguising our coverage, that it it and and those are things you don't you know they aren't hard to do. I mean they're not. And they're hard to learn. You have to do them. You have to do them all spring. We work. I mean, and still, guys didn't get comfortable with it because it's you know you're actually backing out, reading what you're supposed to be doing, standing back there. So it's not the easiest thing in the world for the linebackers, but for the defensive ends and stuff, you know, we might look like we're coming from that side and dropping an end, and um, you know, and things like that, and right in the slant zone. And, and I remember the Texas game, we played and lost to them, and that was one of my great errors. We didn't have anybody dropping, and and they threw a slant for a touchdown and beat us. And, you know, and the players, you know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't anybody's fault but mine, you know. And um, 
And I was, that wasn't a good move. I mean, you know, after I called it, I said, oh, no. And sure enough, about the time you think that, that's what happens. And they threw a slant route right in. I don't know if they scored on that one, but they did on, they got down about the one foot line. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, they scored. And that was one of the times that hurt us. And, um, but then we played them for the championship in the the Big 12 and blew their socks off. Coach, that, that redemption's great, but to, to tie this to the Super Bowl a little bit, I, I want to get your take on whether you think it's fair that coaches in the Super Bowl, I mean, you coaching in your big game, you're, you're defined by your performance, your game plan in the biggest game. Raheem Morris has a tall task this weekend uh, trying to stop the, the Bengals' offense. On the other end, uh, Zach Taylor's got a, a big problem trying to crowd that, that Rams pass rush and protect Joe Burrow and get his offense moving up and down the field. Do you think it's fair that these coaches are going to be defined by really really one game? <laughs> That's the way those owners look at it. I mean, they, they if, the, if, if the press and everybody gets on them, they get all nervous and they don't like that stuff, and so they start firing guys for <laughs> winning. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, sometimes people can be like that, but you know, it's it's a it's a, a game that I think it. You know, you look. I've been around so many different kinds of players, and and you don't know what's inside of them. I mean, you can say all the things you want to say, but all of a sudden, this guy that maybe wasn't as given as much leeway or given as much, you know, responsibility, say, as blitzing or doing things like that comes out of the woodwork and or a running back comes out of the woodwork or something happens in a game like this or a secondary guy does things that he hasn't done before because you only have one thing to do and that is lose so you can't you know hold anything back and so a lot of times you find out teams that are the underdog are the teams that are better faster quicker they're there or they're you know, and, and the Rams hear so many times how much they're going to beat these guys by, and they keep hearing that, and they start believing it. And uh, the next thing you know, they're laying on their back looking at the sky. <laughs> that's that's a good point. I know Cincinnati's kind of been the Cinderella, good team, great season, especially with what Cincinnati's been through. But now you're, you're going up against a team built to win now, and all those draft picks have been traded the way to upgrade at quarterback and cornerback and, and Von Miller. You know, this is the second time you, you've gone all in at the old poker table if you're the Rams. Two out of the last four years, you've, you've been in win-now mode. And Cincinnati, they can, they can at least, as easy as it says, or easy, as easy as it sounds to say, play with house money. I know they, you just don't want to get tight in this big moment. What do you think happens... On Sunday, I'm not asking you for a, a prediction, <laughs> point-wise. Don't you don't need to get specific, but here, but what, what are you thinking here on a Monday for for next Sunday here, Cincinnati or, or the Rams? Well, I think the one thing is is that you you the thing I I look at you know, Burrow for example is a much more mature quarterback at this stage of the game than so many of them that have played even been in Super Bowls before and. Uh, I don't know how many of them, you know, there's probably been about five or six or seven guys that have played and only been in the league a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But he's uh, pretty mature above his, you know, his what you would think a quarterback should be. 
Um, he doesn't let things bother him, and that's the biggest thing that they got going for him. They, they, these guys are young. That's that's scary part of it. They're, mm-hmm. They got a lot of young guys on the team, and they got guys that you know are going to play and have fun and go after it. And they don't. They they still don't real realize what this thing's. I think some of them what it's really all about. I mean, it's. I've been there just going to bowl games. You know, you walk and guys are going down the hall like nothing's happening. <laughs> all of a sudden, they get on the field and they got a different feeling. Mm. And it's a whole different can of worms. So how it, how they react mentally on both sides of the ball. I mean, you you got guys on the Rams, though, that have been sitting around and, you know, one at Detroit that's been there for years and years and just been stoned every year. Yeah. He's got a chance to do something, and you know, and, and you know, you're talking about about six or seven moves they made in the off season uh, that I'm seeing. I'm watching TV a little bit, and then I see where they brought in probably six or seven guys that have made the difference in that football team. They have, and they're trying to to get it all uh, to kind of gel together one more time, one more Sunday. Well, you don't know what's going to happen after the year's over. All of a sudden, you know, it's a business. Mm-hmm. So some of those guys may not be around because they're paying them a lot of money, and, and they have to bring in people new. And so you don't know how all that stuff plays out. I don't, I don't understand the, the, you know, pro football financially is. I've never made it a point to. Sure. I know that they have to, you know, they have to move people around, and I know that, uh, you know, there's been people that adjusted their salaries for so they can bring somebody in that's making a lot of money and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a money game, and that's what's scary about college football to me. It's getting to be too much of a uh, money game, and a, I don't know whether the fund's being taken out of it or everything, but everything is so um, pretty drastic if you can't get – the four and five star guys mm-hmm. and some of these teams that are so good they don't have to do a lot of things they just go do the things that Woody Hayes told me when I was a young coach he just said you want to be you want to be a good coach and I said yes sir he said get good players Charlie McBride with us coach enjoy your wings on Super Bowl Sunday <laughs> and we'll talk next Monday how's that sound I think maybe we talked me into letting my wife cook the wings outside. (laughs) I didn't say that at all. (laughs) Coach, you take care. (laughs) Okay. Have fun, though. Will do. You too. Okay. Okay. Bye now. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. 
Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Super Bowl week, we welcome in College Football Hall of Famer, three-time national champ with Nebraska, Super Bowl champ with the Rams, Grant Wistrom with us at Grant Wistrom on Twitter. Grant, what is good? Uh, it sounds like uh, there's things brewing on the soccer pitch for uh, for your family, man. Yeah, you know, just uh, we are getting from club soccer season to high school season. So uh, my daughter is going to be a freshman here in Missouri. And so she's really hoping she makes that varsity roster. But yeah, this weekend we're headed down to Dallas. She's playing in uh, some girls Academy development league and they travel. I mean, all over our, some of our, you know, road games, a lot of our road games are in Houston, Texas. that we're driving down to. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, she's yeah. – so her conference is the Frontier Conference in the GA Academy League, and she got selected to play in an ID camp down there. So if she does good at that one, she'll uh, hopefully go on to the national stage for their ID camps. But uh, it's just – like we were talking about off there, completely different than the world that, uh, of football recruiting that I was used to. So, uh, But it's pretty neat seeing it from a different perspective and uh, learning a whole lot. When did folks start sniffing around you recruiting-wise? Sophomore, freshman, junior? I mean, does it compare at all to what your, your fam's going through? Um, you know, I didn't really – I don't think I started receiving letters till probably my junior year. Okay. Um, you know, and I uh, – you know, maybe some smaller schools before them. But I don't think so. I think it was about my junior year that I started getting letters and really started just getting attention from uh, the schools that I was, you know, hoping to be interested in. Well, that's pretty awesome, man. And, and the club scene is, is uh, intense, but you get, you get hooked up with the right team. It's, it's pretty awesome. Just the experience itself on top of the coaching Grant Wistrom's with us. Grant, what's your, uh, your thought here, bud on, on the portal and the transfer climate that exists in college football. It was a weird Signing day, it's been a weird year for college football with thousands in the portal and, and, and a few, just a very few spots to land. But you got to take advantage. You got to adapt or die. And Nebraska did here this year. Yeah, you know, it's it stinks. I've, I feel like I've been more involved with high school recruiting this year than I ever have. And it's because there's a couple of kids mm-hmm. down in the Springfield area that were on Nebraska's radar that if it were any other year, they would, there would be a scholarship there probably for them at Nebraska. But due to the you know transfer portal, and then you've got super seniors and all this other crazy stuff eating up scholarships, um, these poor kids are missing out. And that's that's it sucks i can't i would couldn't imagine being in this situation of a senior coming out and not i don't know you just kind of feel like you've been cheated you you know you've paid your dues for so long and it's your time and then you know because ncaa changes rules or moves changes things around to just fit their agenda you know it impacts your future but as far as the portal goes you know, I, there's not, I haven't seen, and you guys are a lot more well-versed on that, so I'm the, this than I am, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen a ton of kids going anywhere and making any impact. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a few, you know, Wondell went to Kentucky and had a great year this year. 
but by and large, these kids that are transferring, you just don't hear from them again. So hopefully, I'm sure there's going to be a need for the portal for some kids. But I think by and large, you know, hopefully kids see that when you go somewhere, you're probably going to be best served to, to put your time in there and develop there as a player rather than just team hop and try to find an open spot on a roster where I can jump right in and play right away rather than pay my dues and develop myself as a player. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, at Grant Wistrom on Twitter. Now, Grant, you you nailed it. I mean, you're going to end up having to, in all likelihood, have to hit reset and go grind away. It's not what you're being told, but it might be the reality of, of this grass being greener spot. I, I'm still kind of just wowed that Nebraska got a guy like Casey Thompson, who led the Big 12 in touchdown passes, and all the Texas's problems were defensive-based, in my humble opinion, when you look at the points they gave up. It wasn't Casey in that Texas offense that was an issue. They're putting up 30, 35 a game, it felt like, in most instances. And I think this is one instance where, you know, uh, good for Nebraska to, to bring in a guy like Casey to compete because I think he can be a pretty talented quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think quarterback might be the one position yeah. where you can go plug in somewhere else and play and make an impact. You know, I think these guys on the line, I think that they're realizing it's not like you're saying the grass isn't always greener. Um, but yeah, I, and I don't know the whole story of why he left Texas and all that. Glad that he did and glad that we got him. Um, and so, you know, if you've got a guy like, you know, uh, Oh, geez. Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. you know, at Alabama. And then, you know, the young kid comes in behind him. And he, yeah, if I were that guy, I'd transfer out too, you know. Or And, I, I, and I'm sure I'm butchering that timeline there. But, you know, when you're, you're a you know, junior, senior quarterback and you've got a freshman beat, yeah, I might look at transferring too. But if I'm not a skill position, I'm probably going to try to pay my dues wherever I'm at and figure out a place to make the roster uh, where I initially signed. Grant, I would have thought when you were at Nebraska, you were you were on special teams. You didn't redshirt, and then you you grinded to to win jobs, and then you grinded to keep that starting position. As great as you were, I don't think you took things for granted. Uh, a feature we're doing with Hale Varsity is is talking about guys making the jump. At what point in your career at Nebraska did you feel? comfortable and ready I mean, you always wanted to play yeah but at what point in your career did you feel comfortable with knowing the defense and and being able to play fast and free oh man i never felt comfortable knowing the defense really? ever. Uh, no ever i always i just it, it, i don't know schmitty yeah i never felt comfortable and I, and I don't know if that led to playing harder or what, but I was always paranoid that I was forgetting a responsibility or an assignment, regardless of even the most basic defense, you know, making sure that, uh, making sure that I knew everything was always, uh, I was always freaking out about it, man. Um, really? But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I felt like just knowing that I belong though, mm-hmm. that came early on, you know, it, the, the, the paranoia and all that, as far as, am I going to forget a call, blow a call, you know, do something wrong that never went away. But the feeling of belonging, uh, that, that happened early on. And, uh, I can, you know, I remember, I think it might've been in two a days. I, you know, I don't know if I'd have been with the black shirts at that point practicing with them but it was early on i remember getting in the huddle and just you know locking hands with terry keneally and it just it i'm like man no this is where i'm supposed to be this is not a mistake I, i've paid my dues to get here and i know i'm gonna have to continue to work hard to stay here but uh i belong here and i'm gonna keep this spot grant wistrom's with us on hail varsity radio belongings key but also the responsibility was was Coach McBride's defense overly com- – I mean, you have jobs to do, yeah, but was it overly complicated? Because we talk to Coach, you know, every Monday, and he uh, he just says he wants guys playing a billion miles per hour, and and obviously it's important to, to play for guys and the guys to your left and right and, and you know, be a, be a teammate. But what, was, it, was it overly complicated with checks and responsibilities or – was it just a matter of knowing the situation and knowing the responsibility? Yeah, no. Coach McBride did not make defenses complicated, mm-hmm. and it, and you know, luckily, because nobody, uh, very few guys on our defense were out there splitting atoms, you know. So, <laughs> the, you know, the more the more simple you can make it, the more <laughs> you know, the more reactive you're out there. You're not thinking about things, and you just go. And so he was definitely smart doing it that way uh, because it's all about being aggressive, controlled aggression on defense. And if you're hesitant, if you're unsure of what you're doing, uh, if the calls are too complicated, if, you know, with any movement and there's too many checks, it takes, it takes your aggressiveness away from you. And that's what playing defense is, is just playing just all out to the whistle blows. Grant, let's switch to the Super Bowl. You got a lean here. Are you going for Cincy or are you going for the Rams? Uh, I don't. I got to cheer for either one of them. I don't know. I, I know. Uh, I, <laughs> I, figured, I figured you'd lead one way or the other. Maybe you want both to lose. I don't know. I thought I'd ask. Yeah. Well, I, I've never, like, usually, like, I put the Super Bowl, watching the Super Bowl up there at Christmas and Thanksgiving for me as far as holidays go. So, <laughs> if uh, normally, I'm going to be driving to my daughter's soccer uh, camp this weekend with her. Mm-hmm. So, normally, I'd be crushed if I was having to spend the, you know, Sunday in the truck while the Super Bowl is going on. But for some reason this year, I'm not too beat up about it. Uh, just, I still can't can't get behind the Rams after the way they left Missouri um and I it, I don't I can't cheer I guess I'll cheer for the Bengals Joey Burrow yeah but uh it, it's just it's out of lack not out of want that I'm cheering for them with with the Chiefs getting bangled I mean that was do you watch that one do you watch that ball yeah because yeah. you guys are kind of Chiefs partial aren't you in your household yep yeah, and when they didn't go for that field goal at halftime, I'm like, yep. I just set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, they got a little 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 cocky there, but man. Yeah, Grant, big for their britches. Yeah, and that that man, once momentum flips, it flips. 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More time here with Grant Wistrom, Super Bowl week with the Huskers. So Brady retires, you've won a Super Bowl, you also, and I hate bringing this up, but you were you were part of a Super Bowl with with Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, and did you ever cross paths with him much outside of football or just in, in different circles, or was it just strictly on the field you you knew you knew Brady? Yeah, I've I've never said a word to him outside of the white lines. You know, it just uh, he yeah. From what I understand, he's a good guy, but never had a conversation with him off the foot. Probably never even on the football field either, but uh, seems to be a good guy. What uh, did you think he was like going to be great? I mean, could you tell or were you wowed by him? And I know you hate quarterbacks, but you also give dudes respect. I mean, did you did did you think he was going to be what he became? No, not at all. Um, you know, he was a good quarterback, but at the same time, I didn't think Kurt Warner was going to become what he became either. You know, uh, it's just hard to tell. And the kid, <laughs> he came in, excuse me, that first year, played his butt off and played good. But to say that he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, no, I couldn't, I couldn't have uh, told you that from one game. Grant, uh, we'll wind down here, bud. Appreciate your time, and this is awesome to get caught up with you. Okay, uh, where are you at, or have you began Ozark season four, part one? Just finished up season uh, episode seven last night. Okay, so yeah. thumbs up, thumbs down, sideways. What do you think of this first half? Uh, I like it, man. Uh, um, I cannot wait for uh, part two to come on. Same. Want to see? What, I, I'm not going to give anything away, but I just. <laughs> Want to see what Marty and Ellen, uh, Marty and yeah, I forget his wife's name. Not yeah, is it Ellen or I know Helen was the lawyer. Yeah, Helen. Hel- Helen was the lawyer. <laughs> yeah, was. Uh, oh, his wife. She's yeah. she's like sorry, man, but she needs to go. That's not nice to mm-hmm. say, but she's wearing me out. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, it it was good. Um, I'm asking this. Is it an accurate depiction of how many Ruths are running around your neighborhood? In, in my neighborhood, I I'm probably the closest thing to Ruth in my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, so one, <laughs> yeah, one. I'm probably the closest, and we're the closest thing to the birds in our neighborhood too. I'm sure. <laughs> so, so you got a casino, is what you're telling me. Yeah, well, you know I'm already in the drug game. No, I know, so, but it's, it's yeah, for medical. Got that covered. Yeah, yeah. So drugs. Yeah, I'm working on my. Yeah, I'm working on my uh, casino license next. 
Good enough. Probably stay away from the strip clubs, but yeah, no, I, I think that could could go sideways there. But uh, why not? You know, there there yeah. may be there may be beer someday in Memorial Stadium too. So, right. Uh, yellow things have happened. Yellowstone, is it better or worse than not worse? But where do you where do you rank Yellowstone? Have you gotten into that I, at all? I'm ready to be a damn cowboy, Smitty. Okay. I am packing my shit up and moving out west. <laughs> I'm like, I really think I miss my calling. Every time I watch that show, I'm like, I'm doing the wrong things with my life right now. Oh, it's it's it was great. So, what's better, Ozark or, or Yellowstone? And if I, I like Yellowstone, I cannot wait for that next season to come out. That'll rock. So, who, yeah. who what character are you on Yellowstone? Oh, I love Lloyd. I love the old yeah, man. Yeah, Lloyd's uh, money. Oh, God, I love Lloyd. I, I mean, who doesn't love Rip, though? Yeah, Rip's and, money. And John Dutton. But, man, I love Lloyd. I was kind of proud of uh, Lloyd handling a buckle bunny. Yeah, yeah, yep. Nice. And then I appreciate, I especially appreciate how Lloyd recovered from that as well. <laughs> yeah, and his old debacle there. He did good. I was proud of him. Smashed the guitar. It was good. Yeah. Grant, enjoy Dallas. Best to you and your fam. And have a good time at soccer this weekend. And we'll chat again soon, bud. Thanks for the time. Thanks a lot, sweetie. Take care, buddy. Grant Wistrom with us here on Hale Varsity. Good to, to talk with Grant on the Super Bowl get his perspective on Ozark as he's down in Springfield. So I got to ask, I mean, hey, how many how many Ruths are running around, man? And he's like, oh, we're, I'm kind of like the Ruth of the neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, Ozark, too. Ozark in, in Yellowstone. Two shows to catch up on, but good stuff from Grant on uh, the portal, paying dues. All that good stuff. Jeff's with us here on Hale Varsity. Jeff, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Smitty, how are you? Good, bud. What do you know? Well, I just wanted to call in, and uh, we got word on Saturday of uh, the passing of Coach John Sanders, former baseball coach at Nebraska, and uh, wasn't able to work the scrimmage this weekend, but uh, just wanted to pass that along. And, and all the good thoughts of what he did at Buck Belcher, and, you know, when Coach Van Horn came in, um, Coach, Coach Sanders was instrumental in, in you know, in, in a heck of a program and a lot of wins and and uh, what he did for Nebraska baseball. Jeff, two things on, on Coach Sanders, uh, John. Uh, and he, one, he lived just up and around the street from me growing up, okay? So he'd always be out and was just great. Two, my dad would always take me to Nebraska baseball games three or four times a year during the Buck Belzer era. And and Coach John was always just a good dude, and we'd kind of be freezing, but he'd always toss us a ball. And three, just going to Big Red Baseball camp when he was running it as a as a kid was wonderful. So I have fond memories of Coach John, and I I, I didn't live in his little cul-de-sac. I lived down the street and a couple of houses away, but knew the family and and just what a special guy and what a what a good dad and 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 ambassador for the University of Nebraska athletics and baseball he was he was incredible we are so sad to hear about what happened Saturday 
you know, we're trying to get Elijah in and work him in some games down there for some scrimmages to get rid of the season. But he's down there doing food tasting and everything in Kansas City when he should be out at uh, Den Hartog working some games. So he, he's just get his, he's just prep- get his priorities right. Well, he's prepping to be an MLB ump, isn't he? Getting the food tasting down. <laughs> you can do that, you know. One what, what of the good things, just think, you know, going back to the days of Coach Sanders, he'd probably have about 10 games in right now. If it was 50 degrees, he'd have Carney, Wayne State, Northern Colorado. It'd be a doubleheader, tripleheader if he, you know, if he would have had lights back in the game. But uh, one of the one of the funnest times of working, uh, we it was the first time Creighton came down and played Nebraska, and we started. It was a perfect Nebraska spring day. It started about 45 degrees. <laughs> Nebraska was up about eight to seven in the fourth inning, and I had to bang the game because we had four inches of snow on the AstroTurf, and he wanted to keep playing because he was up at the time. Sure, so, he did. <laughs> uh, so you know, he was um, he was he was a great man and did a lot for a lot of the guys that are around Lincoln, and it's it's just sad to see him go at 76. It is. Jeff, thanks for your memories. Thanks for sharing that about Coach John. Thanks, buddy. Take care. There he is. Good to hear from Jeff. Yep. And uh, I know Coach uh, Coach uh, Sanders and, and Mike Babcock were close. We'll talk with Babbers here on Wednesday. But, yeah, just sad. Uh, Coach John Sanders, Nebraska baseball, and – the uh, the the teams in the late 70s and, and early to mid 80s were they had some dudes they could play ball and, and he recruited Erstad to Lincoln as well and uh, it was just the old uh, the old ambassador to Southwood is what we called uh, John Sanders he was great we'll wind down on Monday next like what you hear high quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity I'm Brandon Vogel managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio big thanks to grant wistrom greg smith Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, get the podcast. Subscribe to us, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take the uh, constructive criticism. But uh, check us out at uh, Hale Varsity Radio and uh, take the podcast with you. And uh, be sure to check out uh, Hale Varsity 4 to 6, Monday through Friday, and weekends 7 to 9 Saturdays. Uh, Lincoln's ESPN, our friends out in Central Nebraska, ESPN Superstation, Carney Hastings, Grand Island, our friends up in Columbus, News Talk 900. Thanks for carrying the show. Uh, so the AP uh, out with this interesting news earlier. MLB has stopped testing players for roids for the first time in 20 years due to the expiration of the sports drug agreement. So there's that. So chicks will dig the long ball again. Uh, whether you're a, a nine-hole uh, shortstop or a 
a, a second baseman that used to, to just bunt people over in the National League. Now you too can become a pincushion and hit 50 bombs, allegedly like Brady Anderson, to uh, get a $49 million contract. And the MLB just decided they need more runs, I guess. They, they cracked down on the spider tack on the pitchers last season. Now, <laughs> now they're saying, yeah, juice up. We don't care. It's some more long balls. You too, pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> they, they saw what they had in Shohei Otani, and they went, we need more of that. <laughs> He's uh, Shohei at least is doing, you know, from the mound and from the dish. And uh, I don't know any any uh, diet or supplement tendencies of of, of Shohei. Oh, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that just, the MLB saw that model and they said, if you uh, guys need steroids to get there, <laughs> don't go care. for it. Let's just get butts in seats. Oh, wait a minute. We got to continue to arm wrestle this, uh, this negotiation. Tomorrow, we will talk with Tom Rathman, 31 years in the NFL, as uh, a number as an assistant coach. Of course, two Super Bowl championships with San Fran. Uh, we'll talk with uh, Coach Rathman. And uh, Husker standout, Rathman, uh, Coach Kaz with us, and then Mitch Sherman. We'll have uh, Dave Remington, Sam Cook, uh, Searles. Uh, we are chasing down this Husker Super Bowl week, uh, something fierce. Uh, single barrel on Wednesday. Jeff Smith with me, Elijah back here in studio, but we're on four to six ahead in Nebraska, Minnesota. Uh, Coach Hoiberg's on the network tonight, so that'll be interesting especially if it's open phones for an hour. I pray for his soul on that one. <laughs> Legit. I mean, it's I, – I hope it – this is not the popular take, but I hope, I hope he gets a chance to, like, fix this. And I know that there's been three years. You can adjust and critique and fix a plan. You've got a massive buyout that isn't easy to overcome. And I'm not saying every assistant on his staff needs to go. I think Gates is a good assistant. It doesn't look like they do a hell of a lot defensively. The head coach has got to allow more time for for defense. But Fred's an offensive guy, and that's what they focus on. It, it can get better. He's capable as a head coach of being better. It's just a, a question of if the fan base – is going to hang around for it. I don't I think you're already sailed. I don't question his effort. I do question whether his heart is still in it to try to get this thing turned around. Well, I think he's looking at what he what he's assembled. Yeah. It's like, that's my bad, and there's no hope. We'll see if that's the case. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. A Huda Media Production.